Hello everyone, this is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 40. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about parents. You have lost control, part three. Here now is episode number 40 of the Connected Family Podcast. Welcome back to the Connected Family Podcast. Thank thank you so much for joining me again. If you have found this series of podcast episodes related to control and the parent-child relationship helpful, would you please go over to the Apple Podcast app and leave a comment and a rating for this podcast? It is always very helpful to have comments and ratings because that helps other people to be able to find this podcast. They also then have the opportunity to hear these and learn and grow and begin to implement some new strategies as they work as parents, as they work in their relationship together as a couple, and building a connected family in general. So this is episode number three of a three-part series related to the balance of control that is required and very important in the parent-child relationship. The title of these, this series of podcasts is Parents, You Have Lost Control, and this is part three. So we have started in our discussion, episode or part number one, was talking all about the fact that we are in trouble as parents. We have lost control because the reality is that once our children get to be, oh, above the age of five, we cannot make them do anything. They begin to figure out that aside from picking them up, moving them across the room or across the yard and taking their hand and forcing them to do something, which isn't ideal and not advisable, we can't make them do anything. So what do we do? How do us parents maintain a level of appropriate control, instilling self-control and responsibility in our children without having to use this real physically demanding and forceful approach to parenting. Well, in part two, we then talked about the concept of being in control versus being controlling. And that the idea of being in control is that a parent has set a number of limits and clearly articulates those limits and enforces those limits. But as long as the child is working within those limits that have been set by the parent, the child then has the ability to be to make decisions and make choices and kind of make their life what they want it to be as long as they're within those limits. Once they bump up against those limits or even cross over those limits that have been set by the parent, that's when the parent takes action to enforce the limits and help to steer the child back into the middle of those limits as a way to keep him him or her safe, to create responsibility, to instill self-control. So the idea is not that the parent is controlling, actively working within those limits, steering the child to some specified end goal. It's more that we've set the limits, sort of the outer boundaries, and once, if the child is operating within those limits, they are free to choose and do what they desire, explore their own world and interests within those limits without parents interfering and being in control. 
And now we've come to part three, which is, well, what are limits and how in the world do I begin to develop for my family the limits that are necessary for me to be able to enforce them? Um, and, and what does that look like? What are limits anyways? And so today in Parents, You Have Lost Control part three, we're going to be talking about what are limits and how you can begin to discuss with your parenting partners what it looks like to establish limits for your family at the appropriate level, depending on the age of your child, because obviously a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old is going to have a different set of limits and expectations than a teenager would. So I like to think about limits using an acronym, meaning there is the word limits, L-I-M-I-T-S, and I have chosen another word um, that starts with each one of those letters that helps to describe what, a li- what limits are and how we can begin to set them in our family. So it goes L, limits are loving. I, they are instructive. M, they are meaningful and manageable. I, they are individual. T, they are timely. And S, they are safe. Limits are loving, instructive, meaningful, and manageable, individual, timely, and safe. And so we're going to just walk through each one of those here today in part three of this podcast series. Every family needs an established set of limits that are clearly articulated. Predictable limits help children feel protected and challenged. Isn't that interesting? Limits help them feel protected and challenged. Limits create safety. It helps the children to know what to expect, to be able to predict the behavior of the adults around them so that they they know if I do this, the adults are going to do that. If I you know stay within these limits, then everybody's going to remain relaxed. If I bump up against or move outside these limits, then I'm going to experience you know some form of redirection or correction, and I can predict that. Also, however, they help children to feel challenged. They may um, push the child a little bit beyond what they're capable of at this moment as a way to help them learn and grow. Their designed limits are to ensure safety and to allow for exploration within, within the context of the limits. Consistent limit setting may be the most difficult part of a parent's job. I know I have experienced that, that being consistent is particularly difficult when we begin to set limits. Now, what's partic- what I have found to be really challenging is that we have children of a wide age range. And so three of our children are very close in age, and then we have not so much a tail ender, but one who is a little bit younger than the other three. And so we're finding challenges that as our older three get older and move into the teenage years, how do we set limits for the teenagers that are different for our younger child? that seem consistent on both ends. The younger child wants to be treated like the teenager, but the teenagers see that the the way that we treat the younger child and are like, wait a minute, that's not what it was like when I was, was that age. Why are things different? This doesn't seem to be so fair. So that's one of the unique challenges I think parents tend to face when having to set limits for different age groups, particularly if you have a wide range of ages in your family. So let's talk through each one of these aspects of limits. First, limits are loving and compassionate when set by parents. Sometimes we feel like we might be being mean if we're setting limits, but actually setting limits is loving because it provides safety and structure 
And even if our children are calling us, you're the worst parent in the world, you're so mean, why are you trying to ruin my life? Yet, we are being loving and compassionate when we set these limits, even when it's really difficult. And it can be very difficult. And some children may even claim that their parents hate them when they set them. But limits provide structure, support, and guidance that a child needs to feel safe. So when limits are set in a calm and empathic manner, limits provide the basis for a child's future identity development within those limits which we set in our families. And as long as the child is allowed that freedom to explore within those limits and as they are set in a loving manner, they're be able to explore and understand and develop their identity over the course of years. Two, limits are instructive and parents are not. So it's so tempting for parents to preach to, you know, a child disobeys or does something not quite right. And so when we set our limit, we use too many words because we think that the more I talk and the more I explain with logic and reason, the better the child will understand this lesson. However, the real teacher is the limit because children learn best through experience and a consistently set limit will teach a lesson even if a child has tuned out the voice of the parent. And that's typically what I see happens. There's a limit in our family. I want to talk a little bit too much about why I'm setting this limit and the reason and logic for why it makes sense that I'm doing this. And I begin to get a sense that I've been tuned out. They're just not listening anymore. And that's a sign for me, whoop, I gotta stop talking and let the limit do the teaching. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult for the child to have this limit set. And that exact feeling, that difficulty, that discomfort is what teaches. Um, an example I have recently that I can think about this idea of the anxiety and the discomfort as the teacher is one of my children uh, submitted an assignment for school and they were very happy with this excited assignment, excited about it. They had struggled in this course a little bit earlier in the semester. They had worked harder on this assignment, felt like they did really well. So they submitted it and were looking forward to getting the grade to see how well they did. Well, they got the grade and it was not what they had expected. It was much lower than um, my child desired and thought he earned based on the effort he thought he had put in. So we looked at the grade and we sat down and we looked at the rubric that the teacher had filled out and the feedback given. And he began to realize, oh yeah, I guess I did make that mistake. Yeah, I didn't do that quite right. Oh. Yeah, I didn't look closely enough at the rubric there when I submitted it, and I did do that wrong. And I could really get this sense that as he began to look through the rubric and see the feedback from the teacher, there was this just feeling of discomfort and yuckiness that kind of overcame him regarding this grade. And his sense was, oh, yeah, I did kind of, I, I didn't do as well as I thought on that. I should have thought a little bit more I could I could have done better and we as parents kind of approached this in a way of oh man I'm so sorry yeah that stinks to work hard on something and not get it quite right because of having rushed through or not quite thought about it but this feeling that he had is the feeling that is going to propel him to do it differently next time to pay a little bit more closer attention to the details of the assignment and to learn and grow. I could, as a parent, take the approach of trying to make that feeling go away, right? Oh, 
I'm going to talk to the teacher. This isn't right. You shouldn't have to, you know, it wasn't that bad. This is way better than what the teacher thought or it's okay. Or I could get really mad. How could you do it wrong? You got to pay more attention. You, you need to look closer. We need to look over this before you hand in assignments, which would only make me responsible for the homework as opposed to my son. However, we kind of did our best to sort of join with him in that discomfort, uncomfortable feeling that it was having. And I could see how that yucky feeling from getting that grade that he quite didn't want or didn't quite want was going to propel him in the future to pay more attention, do more work, learn and grow in this class because he did not like that feeling. It was a yucky feeling of having made a mistake and not quite followed the instructions and under and done as good as he believed he could. And that feeling is the exact feeling that's going to propel him to learn and grow in that class because he doesn't want to have that feeling again. And that's the same. I love that example because it's an example of any week. It can be applied to any situation that if we allow the limits to be instructive without so much talking by the parents, but just allow the limit to set, be set the limit, which creates this feeling of anxiety or discomfort in our child and let that be and sort of sit in that with our parents and have with our children and have empathy for them in that yucky feeling, then that yucky, uncomfortable feeling is the very thing that causes them to do it different next time because they want to avoid that yucky feeling. And that is how our limits are instructive. Limits are also meaningful and manageable. Limits serve a purpose and are simple enough that parents can follow through on them with moderate effort. Not simple effort, moderate. You have to put the effort in to be able to follow through on limits. And it is hard work, but not overwhelmingly hard work. And that is our choice based on setting manageable limits. So first, the, the set limit should be directly related to the offense. For example, if homework goes unfinished, then Billy or Sally will not be able to watch TV in the evening or play video games or some other uh, uh, privilege. The limit should cause some level of anxiety for the child, as I was discussing before. However, the important thing to um, understand about this anxiety is that it is a, a low level of anxiety that is uncomfortable and uncomfortable enough to motivate, but not so uncomfortable that it's overwhelming and gets the child stuck in that spot. So there's this difference between eustress, which means good stress, and toxic stress. Eustress, or good stress, is the level of stress that is motivating. It motivates a person to do something different and pushes them forward into new growth and new accomplishment. Toxic stress is the stress that is so overwhelming that we just lose hope and can't move forward because it's too much for us and overwhelming. So when I talk about the limit causing some level of anxiety, I talk about this feeling of discomfort that I talked about in the previous example with the assignment that just uh, felt yucky. Not overwhelming stress, but stress that propels to a new level of effort and learning and growth. So sending your child to their room as a consequence with TV, video games, and internet is probably not going to cause anxiety. They're actually going to be like, oh, awesome. I can, I'll just go to my room and spend all sorts of time away from my crazy parents who flip out all the time. So that's probably not a great limit. The limit should not overwhelm parents either. 
we have to be able to follow through. So for example, grounding a busy teenager from the car for a year is gonna cause too much disruption to the family routine. And so parents will not likely be able to follow through. So we have to find those limits that are meaningful, cause some level of discomfort, anxiety that propels our child to change, but also manageable in that we are able to follow through on those limits as the parents. Next, limits are individual. An important limit for one child may not be important for another. Every child is different and parents should adjust their parenting approach based on the needs of the child. Age here is a very important factor. A teenager can handle more freedom to choose than an eight-year-old. And so as your child matures and grows, they should be able to earn more freedoms. And you're going to start out more restrictive with your limits. I think about, I think about it as a V. Um, at the bottom of the V, it's very close together and as you move up from the bottom of the v the lines go further and further apart and so when our children are very young at a very young age the lines are very close together at the bottom of the v as they grow older and become teenagers those lines grow further apart and those represent our limits which means more freedom more space between those limits for decision making and exploration and we're going to be thinking about each individual child as well because their interests, their strengths, their desires are also going to play a part in how we set our limits in order to be able to in order to be able to choose the particular limit that is most meaningful for that child. Also, they are timely. Limits should be set in the appropriate time. For a young child, the enforcement of a limit is going to be much closer to when the offense or when the child crossed over the boundary or the limit that has been set. And we're gonna have to enforce it kind of right there within maybe three seconds to 30 seconds to a minute of when that in, that um, child crossed over the limit. However, for a teen, delaying the, set, the setting of the limit so that parents can actually discuss it and come to an agreement on how they're gonna handle the situation can increase the level of anxiety to the appropriate amount and increase the effectiveness of the limit. So there are times when um, we need to set some limits and we say, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna talk to mom about this and I'm gonna get back to you uh, to let you know how I'm gonna handle this, okay? And then we just kind of go our separate ways and I find that to be helpful because it allows the teenager to think about, oh man, what's going to happen? What are mom and dad going to do? It kind of creates some of that discomfort and they have to think about it. And that is part of the instructive nature of the limit. So setting it in the appropriate time. Also, it's important to think about, am I ready at this moment to set this limit? Am I in good space mentally? and emotionally to be able to set this in a way that is most effective. And that gets to our last point, safe. Limits must be safe. A parent must be in control of their emotions while setting a limit. A parent that is visibly angry and upset while setting a limit cannot think clearly enough to set appropriate limits. This parent is also in danger of producing fear in the child rather than anxiety. We do not want to motivate our children by f because they are afraid of us because fear motivates from an outside source as an extrinsic source. And we want our children to be motivated intrinsically by what is happening inside of them so that they have the, 
They see that they have the power and the control to make their life what they want it to be. But fear produces external motivation in which they are doing what we've asked them to do because they're afraid of our reaction to it. And that is not the goal. We desire to produce internal motivation, which is motivated by that discomfort and the desire to not have that discomfort that is created when we, you know, make mistakes that we think we could do better at. And those mistakes drive us to new levels of learning and growth. So one of the hardest parts about setting limits is deciding what level of freedom, both emotional and physical, is appropriate for your child. And it's going to be different for every child. A toddler obviously has narrower limits than a teenager. Remember I was talking about the V earlier. Who's begun, a teenager who's begun to demonstrate personal responsibility. The most important piece of setting limits is allowing enough freedom of exploration and experimentation so as to provide the child with the feeling of competence, power, confidence, and excitement. But you do not want to allow so much freedom that the child does not learn to respect the rules of nature and authority. So it's a fine balance that we're striking here. The optimum level of freedom provides enough challenge for the child to master increasingly difficult skills and enough limits for the child to be safe and respectful. So I challenge you, if you're listening to this podcast episode about setting limits, to sit down with your partners. Sit down with those who are involved in parenting your children and act and, and assess what limits do we need for our house in this current stage? And maybe maybe you're even in a situation where there's multiple houses involved and, the ch- and maybe there, um, you have been um, divorced from the parent of your children and you need to sit down together as parents who are co-parenting now and have different households and decide together what are the limits going to look like in our house for the children when they go back and forth between our houses. That would be beautiful. One of the most difficult challenges that children often face in divorce situations is that the expectations at the at one house is different than the other house and if parents can sit down together negotiate talk about expectations and have similar expectations between the houses so helpful for children to be able to experience safety and predictability in the home because they can then know what to expect at both houses so sit down with one another negotiate and talk about the limits that are going to be that are going to be set in your house in the current stage and i recommend that you do this every couple of years so that you're sitting down again and again over the developmental years of your children Uh, let's say infant toddler preschooler elementary junior high and high school those sort of stages and renegotiating and rethinking about the challenges because we as parents you know we i know i have found this i've gotten into sort of a mode with parenting where it's like, hey, I've got this thing down. I know what the expectations are, what we're doing in our home. And I'm consistently, as best as I can, setting the limits. And then my children change. They hit a new developmental milestone. And they're like, uh, this isn't working so much anymore, Dad. And I'm the one who have the who has the hardest time in adjusting to the new expectations that really are important. Um, and loosening up a little bit as my children age, it's hard. It's been hard for me to learn how to adjust to that and to loosen up those limits. Um, and I find myself being overly rigid at times. And then I have to think about it and like, oh yeah, they, they're much older than they used to be. And I need to make some adjustments in the ways that I'm handling this situation. So 
I hope that you have found this three-part series on the idea of control in the parent-child relationship helpful. Again, setting limits. Limits are loving, instructive, meaningful and manageable, individual, timely, and safe. If you have questions or want to continue this conversation, please join our Facebook group. You can find it at, there's a link in the show notes um, on our website, but it's facebook.com backslash groups backslash the connected family podcast we can have some more discussion about setting limits and how to go about that in that pod in that uh, facebook group um, also feel free to leave a comment in uh, uh, the app of apple the apple itunes store where you can find our app and find this podcast so other people can find it too thanks so much for listening it's really a privilege to be able to share this stuff with you and i hope that you find it helpful Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about parents, you've lost control. Part number three, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at connectionsquincy.com.